Hey guys, Bryce here from Flex Cortex. All content on the Flex Cortex podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitution for medical advice from a qualified health professional. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. What's happening, guys? Welcome to this week's episode of Flex Cortex. Today, I will be speaking with Ricky Calder. Ricky is a fellow Prescript Level 1 coach. Ricky is the owner of Ergo Method and is located out of Gold Coast in Australia. Today, we'll be talking about exercise modifications and how to adjust them accordingly based off your client's needs. Um, end of the day, it's all really about proper implementation and trying to meet the client where they're at. So we also go over some coaching stuff. So just going through being, you know, a coach versus being a trainer and communication because it's a crucial aspect of training that is often overlooked. So if you want to follow Ricky on Instagram, his Instagram is at Ricky Calder. So R-I-C-K-Y-C-A-L-D-E-R underscore. And then I will also toss in his Instagram link and his link tree into the caption. So you guys can just check those out uh, for any of his coaching inquiries. But uh, thank you guys, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. So have you played sports before, or like what got you into training in general? Um, I Like in school, I kind of did school sports and stuff. So like volleyball, rugby, bit of yeah. soccer, bit of this and that. Um, but was never really good at anything. Like, Like I was always good with people. So I'd always be not like, captain but like push toward that sort of um role within the team and then when I finished school or just before I finished school I started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu um yeah. and that was like the first sport I did where it was like a it was just me and then when I did that I realized that with that like my success was purely dictated off what I did so if I like went to training the days I said I was going to go to training for like months on end, I'd end up seeing a good result. If I didn't see a good result with training, like I wasn't progressing and learning things I wanted to, it was purely just because I wasn't putting in the work. Um, and then I stopped doing that because of my old job. So by trade, I'm a refrigeration mechanic. Um, and so in Australia, I live on the Gold Coast, but I used to work in Brisbane. So time-wise, it's like hour and a half travel to get there. So couldn't make training in the Arvo. So I stopped doing that and then started training in the gym. Um, So that was how I started in the gym. Um, But yeah, so I haven't really done a whole lot of sport growing up. Little bits of bobs, but nothing specific really. So you got into it more so just after the fact? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that's an interesting question. What made you want to pursue coaching as a career? Because you said that you were actually in refrigeration before. Right. Um, so what made you want to transition and uh, when? Um, so, well, when I started training was, it was just before I turned 21. So like five, five years ago. Um, but at the time, so I wasn't doing jujitsu cause I couldn't make it cause of work. Um, so I started training in the gym, but at that mm-hmm. time I was going through a bit of stuff personally and mentally. And it was the one thing in my day where I could control again. Yeah. So I sound like a control freak cause I kind of am. Um, but I couldn't control work. I couldn't control, um, 
too much about my money situation at the time because I was an apprentice. So I was bringing home like just under five hundred dollars a week, and like I reckon a third of it was going to petrol just to get the two work. So um, yeah. yeah, yeah, just a few situations in life weren't super great at the time. Um, and then when I started training, same concept as with jujitsu. It was like I can control this one thing, and I can dictate my outcomes by what I put into it and so that was a very strong theme within my first couple years of training um and with that because i was very um outcome focused i'd go up and down with like what i would do with my training so i'd go through a cut for a couple months like yeah sick look shredded and then be like no i'm skinny so now i want to put on a bit of size so i go the complete opposite way and they'd be like, yeah. well, now I'm fat. So I cut back down. It was just like <laughs> fluctuated shit tons. Um, and then after a while, I was like, this isn't any fucking good. Like I'm getting lean every like six months, but I'm not building any muscle. Um, but the main thing it taught me was just like how to deal with things mentally and yeah. how like everything was just my own responsibility, ultimately mm-hmm. like in training and in life. And once that clicked with me, um, that's when I was like, okay, this is sick that something like this can help me in this regard. Um, and it helped yeah. me build a bit of mental fortitude um, and For build sure. the confidence to be like, I don't really want to do the job I'm doing. Not that I didn't like it, but I was like, I've got a passion for this other thing where I could potentially help someone else that's in the same position as me. Um, yeah. So I just finished my apprenticeship, told the boss six months before that I was going to leave um, when I finished to go to uni to study sport and exercise science. He was like, nice. yeah, no, that's cool. Um, do what you're going to do. Like, this is your life. Take control of it. I was like, yeah, sick. Um, so quit my job, went to uni, didn't work for like eight or nine months, had a bit of money saved up. So I was like, this is sick. I can just study all day, every day. Um, and that's fucking what I did. Because um, I'm very much like a all or nothing type of person for better or for worse. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, so that was how I initially got into the or into university at least. And then from there, um, had the, the drive or the whole person going to uni was so I could work in the fitness industry. And then after the first year of it, I, I don't know, I, don't, I get bored quick. But also when it comes to learning things, I get my own spin on things. And at the same time, I just started diving deep into a lot of the pre-script stuff. Um, and a lot of things I was learning at uni and then things I was learning outside of uni weren't lining up and I was like start to get the shits with a little bit of things um mm-hmm. and so from there it was like well if this is what I'm learning then what the fuck is everyone else learning like all the other PTs at the gym that I'm training at and yeah. then I was like all right sick I want to I want to start working in a gym and training people um yeah because I felt like when I'd ask questions I'd get these answers that were just like that's not a fucking answer like you're just spitting something at me because that's what you've been told. Like you don't actually understand the system behind it, why something happens or the, when the, where pretty much like the equation to get the answer. Um, and so that drove me. I was like, I want to be that. Like I want to be the person that can actually give info and background to people in my small community in my circle and in the area I live in. And so, yeah, that pushed me into coaching. Yeah, be the person that can actually like provide some value and provide context because I feel like 
a lot of stuff is just tossed out there, but with no real context or like it's just delivered incorrectly or, you know, it's just a lot of misinformation too in the industry. And that's why like this field itself is, it's ever growing, but like you have to do the same thing or you like get lost in the dust really quick. Um, but yeah, you mentioned a good thing before too about like being too outcome focused. And I think more people need to, I made a post about it actually a little while ago about actually trying to enjoy the process because the process is where you're actually going to grow the most as a person. Um, and if you become too like outcome focused, then that's when people typically will fall off. And that's when a lot of people will fall off and not continue to, you know, to do their own thing. Um, so I think it's, it's an important point that you brought up about like that you were very outcome focused before, but you have to, you know, learn to enjoy the process and kind of, um, be willing to adapt and be willing to grow. So I know that for you, cause you did some business coaching too, right? Um, you need to, again, kind of enjoy that whole process of it and that growth within it. And that's where you're probably going to grow the most, uh, in your business, but then probably grow the most yourself too. hundred percent. You probably see with clients as well, like the ones that are process driven or when the, the flip kind of switches and they go from being outcome focused to process yeah. focused. It's like, it's just a game changer. Like nothing necessarily changes like yeah. on the spreadsheet or on the scales, but it's like, you can just see it when they come in for training. Um, when they're talking about training, it's just like the whole mentality on everything switched. As soon as you see it, you're like, you're fucking in this for the long run. You're going to see some amazing results in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the cool thing. That's probably the, the biggest thing for me is when you start to see clients like on their own days doing their own thing. Um, and also when they're like, oh, I felt weird when I missed a session. That for me means you're doing your job properly. And that also means that they're in the right place. Because if they're like, oh, I feel weird missing a session or like, oh, I want to like, maybe they want to add a day with you or something like that. Like, that's when you know that they've gone from, like you said, that mental switch of like, okay, I was very outcome focused, but now they've actually learned to like enjoy the process and be more patient, but then also realize like, that it takes time, but then realizing that you can actually enjoy it all the way through and not being so fixated on like, well, I want to lose, I guess for you, it'd be like, you know, 20 pounds or like 10 kilos, right? It's like, okay, well, you can't be so focused on that. You'd be focused on like, okay, well, let's, let's focus on like a kilo in two weeks or let's focus on like, you know, these small little things, but that's all being more okay with the process and realizing that it takes time. hundred percent. It's like, as of late, I've really been preaching to a lot of my clients. It's like, even in check-ins, it's like, I won't necessarily mention their weight, but it's like, okay, what were the targets? What were your two goals for last week? Did you succeed in doing them or not? And it's like, if you did, sick. Keep ticking those boxes. Keep doing those things consistently over time. Like if you're 80% or 70% consistent over the two years compared to like, being 100% consistent for two months. It's like the person over two years is going to see, for one, way more results, but it's the the habit thing, like the creating habits and the more habits we yeah. create over a long period of time, it just becomes part of what we do. And so it's yeah. like less of a less of a stress, less of a strain um, for us to do these things. It just kind of becomes part of who we are. Yeah, and like the, just with the whole thing too, there's, there's, there's so many things to consider, like, especially when you're trying to create new habits with people, right? I feel like a lot of people will be trying to push like, okay, five days a week, six days a week. And I actually covered it on like one of my stories recently, like a Q&A. And I was saying like, if somebody has never really been in the gym before, a new habit for them is coming to the gym like once a week. 
So like even just having them come to the gym like once a week or twice a week with you, like that's something that they weren't doing before and they're going to respond really well to the new stimulus. So they're still going to see growth and end of the day, growth and, you know, change is what people will be driving um, that motivation off of and base off of. So, you know, they're not going to be happy if you're like, okay, hey, let's go five days a week. And that's just going to be way too much for them. Or worst case scenario, they get hurt, then they're probably going to want to stop. So it's all about, it's a bit of a juggling act, especially when you're trying to like introduce new habits and create new habits with people, I find. 100%, man. And like, it's, it's always the same with like, if you look at like super gym pop, someone who's brand new to the gym, and then someone who's been training for ages, everyone thinks it's like, you just got to do lots of stuff. And it's like, you literally just do it a little bit. It's like, if you can do a little bit more than you were previously, it's like, yeah. that's what progressive overload, progressive overstimulus, whatever you want to label it as. That's yeah. literally all it is. And like, you get dudes who are like, they want to train six days a week. They want to walk out feeling fucked after every session. And it's like, bro, like pull it back a touch and you'll probably do right. better. Like you'll do things more effectively. Yeah. You're going to do them more efficiently. It's like, otherwise you're just like, banging it a hundred percent and where else are you going to go from there? And I think that's where you say people deloading like every three or four weeks. It's like, unless you're a professional bodybuilder, like you probably fucking don't need to deload every couple of weeks. It's like, if you yeah. happen to deload every three or four weeks, something's not right. Like look at what yeah. you're doing. There's so many weeks there in the year. If you're deloading, I don't know what the math fucking is, whether it's every four weeks, that's like 10 to 12 weeks a year. You're that, yeah, that's a preach though. That's a preach though. Cause like 100% people ask me all the time, like, should I deload? And I'm like, okay, yes and no. Like it depends. Right. But I think the, the thing to consider is context. And this actually is a good thing to kind of base it off of, of like, I'll talk about myself in this example, right. Being more like outcome goal focused versus like process focused. So when I first started lifting, I was the kind of guy that was trained like six days a week. Um, and this is why I tell people like, you don't need to train that much because when I was training six days a week, you know, I was achy. I was definitely hurting more. I was not progressing. You know, my sleep was being affected. I could tell in my mood, you know, I was being more snippy with people and, you know, I'd get a good sleep, but not feel well rested. There's a lot of signs that I didn't know at the time was overtraining. Cause like when I had first started training, I was like pretty new to training still. And I didn't really have any, um, at that time, any experience with coaching. So I was just like growing it out, like looking at splits online and being like, Oh, 20 21s, let's throw that in. Let's let's pump up the biceps, you know, like all all this stuff. So, um I've made the most progress, I would say, with like a 4-day split personally for myself. Um having that 3 days off or having that flexibility to have that one extra day if I'm feeling really good, but then also, you know, getting to the point where I'm sure you're at this point too, where you're actually able to make that call for yourself and be like I need that extra day off. And just like taking it um, because before, like, it's kind of like a balls to the wall mentality. And that's how I was for sure. was like, okay, protein, creatine, you know, all these supplements that I probably didn't need at the time. But then you add that into like a six day split and there's just so many moving parts in that. And like, I just want to stress that with people. And I think that that's why it was good that we're talking about it is like, if you're brand new to the gym, like, just there's so many things that you're changing already in your life that you want to be doing stuff that you can actually sustain long term and adhere to because if you're like super sedentary you've never been to the gym before do something that you can actually maintain sustain 
Um, so that's why like, you know, even a day or two going to the gym in a week is like, that's progress. That's something you weren't doing before. Also, it's like, Hey, how, how are you eating? If they're eating like shit, then it's like, Hey, well, like, you know, increase your protein, prioritize your protein. That's another change, right? It's like, okay, well, you go to sleep at one in the morning, you wake up at six. Okay. So try to go into, go into bed at 11 or 10 o'clock. That's another life change. And these are things that people don't think about, right? It's like, you're sure going to the gym, but there's like a ripple effect. There's like five, six other things that you're trying to do at one time. So that's why I think it's really important that, you know, I know today's about like modifications and like train smart, but I think that the recovery aspect is the first thing that you need to try to prioritize for train smart in general too. 100% man. I was look at, I kind of look at everything in training is just like, it's a capacity thing. So it's like whether we're talking about like fucking mobility, flexibility, whether we're talking about training volume, whether we're talking about like recovery, it's just like, what's the capacity and like, like with flexibility, it's like, we just want to improve the capacity a little bit more than what we actually need. And then we're not flying close to the sun. Same with recovery. It's like, yeah, if we're working well within our capacity, it's like, we're not pushing right to the edges where one little thing's just going to fucking flip us right the yeah. way over um and then when it comes to everyday life stuff it's like like if someone can lift up 100 kilos or like 225 pounds in like a trap bar deadlift like picking up groceries is fucking nothing to them um yeah. where before the groceries haven't changed weight it's just their ability to handle stress so to say has increased um but i think having that switch for myself when i look at programming for clients and myself it's just kind of like it's not simplified things but it's just giving me this like this view on all of it where it's like it's literally just this little we're just trying to create space that's literally all it is yeah it's really just like a dose response relationship like you're trying to just like give just enough change they're seeing growth and you're kind of just like rolling with that and when they adapt start to see like a plateau in some sense or a stall out then you're like, okay, we need to make some changes again. It's kind of like weight loss, weight gain, like any of that stuff. You're just trying to like, just tip the scale slightly because people like, again, I'm sure you've seen this too. They'll chronically try to cut weight too fast or they'll try to bulk too fast. And you even mentioned it earlier in the podcast too, that results in you getting really fat or you cut really fast and you lose a lot of tissue you put on. So it's like, again, it's kind of a bit of a juggling act. You're trying to figure out how you can do the least work, get the most results. Sounds weird i'm sure to some people but it's all about like training smart versus training too hard yeah yeah i think that's where that like long-term vision kind of comes into place as well because it's not as like it's not as sexy telling someone like you got to do this for like six months before we go through a cut they're like that sucks like yeah i'm gonna feel flabby for a couple months and then i have to it's like that's like five months away that's like five and a half months away i don't want to do that but yeah i think it's that delayed gratification thing yeah well it's like it's like you too because how long you've been cutting right now right like how long you've been doing that um no i've been building so i did a cut in the last year um in preparation for a push this year so i got down like not super lean but like leanish um and then this year because i want to compete in probably like five five ish years um cool in the what do you call it untested fed here so um i've brought in certain supplementations at the moment but the whole purpose of that was i want to be in a really good position to start with um yeah but because of that because i put myself in a good position it's like um what how many weeks in it's like six how many weeks into this year 
don't know, 16, um, 17 weeks into the year. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, um, like six months is, right? Yeah. Yeah. 24 weeks? Um, is that 24 weeks? Is that wrong? Four, four weeks in a month? About 24, almost 24 weeks? Yeah. 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 Um, but because of that, because it was like a good starting position, where I am now is like miles ahead where I thought I would have been. Yeah. And it's all like, Again, that change in that in that mindset, right? In that thought process, just being more like process orientated and enjoying it. Um, yeah, because I, I wasn't sure if you were, because you're looking pretty lean right now, considering this is like, I guess your your off season, I guess you could say. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, I'm actually. It's a good a good talk to kind of like throw into because I've been cutting now since uh, November. Um, and I've dropped since November probably about 20 pounds so like about 10 kilos um but you know this is just to reinforce that you should take your time because like i haven't really lost any strength um and, and I you're looking people... fucking jacked man like <laughs> no i appreciate that bro <laughs> <laughs> like you're yeah, cutting it's... but you're looking thick bro yeah so everyone's saying that all like you look bigger and i'm like yeah okay it's a tan too because we actually have sun in alberta now for <laughs> <laughs> for once um but yeah like that, i talk about it a lot on my posts too i think it's like it's really important to also realize it's a bit of a side tangent but like people always think that you're gonna get super weak when you cut and i think this is my first time doing it like pretty slow um and you can retain some like serious tissue um if you you know prioritize your protein um but then also not cutting too fast because like i've I'm working with a nutritionist, so like shout out to Chris because uh, he's been helping me with that a ton. But it it's like he he's making sure that the changes are so minute, like they're so small that we're making very very little drops. But he's seen how my body responds to it, so it's kind of like we, we talked about before. It's like the least amount of work with the most results. Like I haven't been doing like any cardio. I mean, people always think that you have to be doing like tedious amounts of cardio. You know, you're on the stairs every morning. You're you're running every morning it's like i've lost like 10 kilos and i haven't really been doing any cardio apart from just like my walking for my work um but that's just to show that like take your time um be patient and then just like train smart but then also like that the patience and being okay with that process of it all 100 yeah. percent, man it's like like everyone says it scale is just a metric like that's why I think it's super important with like with a lot of people where it's like, yes, we look at the scale, but it's like, okay, how do you, how do your clothes fit? Like, how does your body feel? Um, yeah. Like what do photos look like? Like there's so many metrics where it's, it's super easy to get fixated in just that one thing. Cause if it, someone's weighing themselves every day, it's like, it's the one thing they see every day. That's like very comparable. Like it's easy to see one number and then another number, but like day to day looking in the mirror, we might not see much change. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's why like having having nutritionist, having a coach, someone else's perspective to kind of pull you up. They're like, "Yo, you're doing fucking well. Like, chill. Look at this. You've done good." Yeah, and I think like I'm sure you're the same way, right? Like, we're very hard on ourselves, especially like I know I'm really hard on myself too. That's why it's good to have like Eric because I've been working with Eric for a while too, um, and then I obviously working with Chris. So it's nice to be able to like talk with them and be able to realize the progress I've made. Um, you know, I guess personally, but then also just like as far as like just physically, right? Being able to retain a lot of tissue, being able to like get stronger, if anything, instead of getting weaker. Um, and I've pretty much just been recomping, right? Like, I mean, if people want to ask, I've just been recomping and 
not being so fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest thing. But um, so I guess to jump into like more of the training stuff now, um, how do you find working with online people versus in person? Because I know that you dabble with both and you've dabbled with both. Um, so I've talked with like a lot of other coaches about this too. And there's always going to be like a, a bit of a discrepancy, a bit of a change. So I'm curious as to how you deal with that. Um, and then that'll kind of like have us nicely working in with like modalities and like progressions, regressions and stuff too. Yeah. Um, so majority of my client base is a face-to-face. Um, and yeah. I find I have a flip at the moment with not what I enjoy, but where I'm kind of pushing things business-wise or putting like my time and effort, um, not investing my time and effort. Um, so initially I was like, yep, I'll do do face-to-face, but like I want to deal with people online because it attracts a certain type of client, um, which mm-hmm. I really enjoy working with, which is generally like young dudes between like 30, I don't know, 20 to 30 years old that have been training for a while, um, but kind of stuck in a bit of a rut so similar situation to where i was or it's like i was seeing results if i did this or that but i wasn't actually progressing too much and when i had questions about things couldn't really find a good resource for answers um so initially i was kind of looking for or trying to get clients like that and then as time's gone on and i'm working more and more in person um Mm -hmm. i've begun to enjoy a lot more working in person with being able to for one see someone face to face on a regular basis um, and especially with um, initial consults is see things real time. So um, take everyone through an assessment when I get them face-to-face or online. Online, it's send you a video, these certain things, do this, send it back to me. Face-to-face, I've got a sheet we go through depending on what their abilities are. Um, we'll just kind of progress and regress through that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think since working more face-to-face, it's improved my abilities with the online stuff so because i've been able to try things and like so if i learn something or like i learn a concept it's like okay i'm gonna try this face to face see how it goes in real time if it gets the result that i think it'll get and if it doesn't it's like okay like go home think about it why didn't it get the result i thought it might have what are some other options i could have done um and then as time goes on i've got those tools in the tool belt where if i've got susan in front of me it's like okay she lacks shoulder flexion let's try this one drill, that drill didn't work, let's try this other one, that also didn't work, so that crosses out these certain things, which leaves me this option C and D. Because of those two, I'm going to say we're going to choose D and we get a result, and that makes my online a lot more streamlined too. Um, Yeah, so online's not online, sorry. Face-to-face, I've been very much enjoying as of late because of that and i'm just like a very much a hands-on and visual person as well but yeah so with with that in mind then um what are your favorite modalities to use with like i guess for yourself um or for working with clients whether they're in person or or they're online what modalities do you like to try to utilize whatever they're able to do so um, whether it's a gem pop person, whether it's fucking someone that wants to jump on stage, it's like, like we are talking about before, what are they able to do? Um, mm-hmm. What's their goal? First of all, what's their goal? Where are they currently? Where do they want to get to? What do we need to get from A to B? Um, 
what don't we need, the things we don't need, scrap the things that we do need. Um, like I said, it's a powerlift diet. It's like, okay, we're going to get them using a barbell pretty soon. If they're new to powerlifting and they haven't done much stuff, it's like, okay, let's teach you how to bench. Let's teach you how to deadlift. Let's teach you how to squat. Um, yeah. But if I've got someone who just wants to put on a tissue, it's like, probably don't need to do a deadlift. If you like doing them, sick, let's do that. Um, but we're probably going to offer something like an RDL or instead of a bench press with a barbell, probably going to opt for like a dumbbell press. But again, um, what they enjoy is a massive thing for me, especially with a face-to-face. Because if someone doesn't like what they're doing, they're not going to fucking do it long-term, especially when they're not with me. If they're with me and I'm telling them to do it, they're going to do it because they're paying yeah. money. Yeah. But that to me isn't necessarily, that's not a sign of a good coach is the person hates what they're doing all the time. Yes, there's going to yeah. be things where they don't like. Like her client right now, she hates doing um, single leg leg curls, but she's got a real shitty ability to control her pelvis when doing leg curls. Um, and when we do single leg, it kind of takes out the ability to, to load it up. And so she can control her hips really, really well um, and preps her quite well for squats, which is a movement she absolutely froths. So um, that said, it's not like we're going to do that every fucking session. It's like we kind of sprinkle it in here and there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it really just depends on, like I'm not necessarily fixed to any modalities. Like, yeah, just what wherever they're at, wherever they need to get to and whatever helps us get there. I think a lot of it is just finding the right tool for the job, right? But then also just like, but then also just realizing, like you mentioned before, it's like, what does the client have access to? I think that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Just kind of taking a look at what they want to do and what they're willing to spend money on because, you know, some clients are going to be on a budget and they just can't afford to be buying a bunch of home gym stuff or maybe they don't want to be going to a gym whether it's personal reasons whether it's you know um physical reasons like maybe they're just so far away from gyms they can't do that um there's a lot of things to consider which makes you know more versatility as a coach like an important thing um so it's being able to utilize different modalities regardless of whether you know which scenario your client's in um but 100 it's like meeting them where they're at with anything whether it's like exercise selection whether it's like and me days they're going to train whether it's the type of training we're doing it's just literally like where are they at and how do we foster an environment where they want to do more with what they've got or do stuff with what they've got yeah so since you're pretty like hands-on um which I'm, i'm the same way right um how do you know when or what are some things you try to prioritize when you're wanting to modify um an exercise for a client um, I guess you could apply, you could talk about your online, um, but also like the in-person stuff too. Like, let's say um, you throw a client onto a machine and the machine's just not working for them um, or like vice versa. Like, let's say you're throwing a client into an exercise that you think they should be able to do based off of where you've been able to build them up to. Um, what are some things that you look at doing and like, what's your process about trying to get them to do something they can do for that session? Yeah. Um, so most of the time, like let's use the squat for an example. So a lot of the time, let him just squat, just any movement. I'll try to give someone an exercise that requires the least amount of cues as possible so that I could literally, I could give them like one or two cues and they'd perform the exercise pretty well. So for a squat, I could be like a, a goblet squat with heels elevated for a press. It could just be 
like a pin loaded machine press for a row, some chest supported cable row thing. Um, and a deadlift could just be like a trap bar deadlift or even kettlebell a deadlift to the point where they don't really have to think. Um, mm-hmm. And from there, just scaling with like intensity load reps and then yeah. say, if we then progress the exercise, say the kettlebell goblet squat to something like a front squat or even a safety bar squat, if we go over to that and it's not there, it's like, that's cool. Like certain modalities aren't necessarily, it's not necessarily going to drive more adaptation for someone who is like, if someone can lift a 25 kilo um, kettlebell and do a goblet squat, putting them on a barbell and having say 35 kilos on the bar. Yes, it's more weight, but if they can't perform it well, then it's like, we're kind of just shooting blanks and hoping that maybe they'll get it where to them, if they've got an exercise they can do confidently, mm-hmm. we're going to stick with that and run that until they don't want to do it anymore. They're getting bored. We're not seeing results from it anymore. And then if I pose them the option of, okay, we can do this. Um, we might have to go lighter for a bit. We'll take some time learning it, but then we're also going to integrate something else. So it's like a leg press. So we're going to get some volume in somewhere else. Um, yeah, so kind of there's a few different options for it, but a lot of it comes down, like for me in my business, is the, the psychology of the client that will dictate how I adjust things. Yeah, so it's a confidence thing. It's just give them things that they can succeed at continuously and sprinkling little things that require a bit more learning. Um, mm-hmm. If it's someone who's real confident and they just want to push fucking heavy load, it's like, all right, We'll do one or two sets on like a, I don't know, the back squat. Then we're going to go over the leg press and do four sets until you're crying. And they're like, sick. Yeah. I'm happy with this. So they walk out feeling like they've done a shit ton of work, but they're still getting out of it. The little bits involved to it. Us as coaches are like, all right, this is probably a good thing to teach them for this and that. Yeah. Cause like you mentioned it earlier too, right? But if the client's dreading the session or if they're not doing their homework days because you're trying to give them stuff that they just don't want to be doing, like that's going to obviously affect adherence and just like retention of the client. So like you mentioned before, it is important to really try to like emphasize things that they really enjoy and then like sprinkle in stuff that like, you know, that they don't really like, but as long as you give them a reason as to why they're doing them, generally speaking, I find clients will be good at doing it or at least will like give it a shot. Um, that's context, right? You have to be telling them why they're doing it. You can't just be like, hey, we're doing this because it's like, okay, no, we're doing this, Susan, because you want to back squat and you can't stabilize your pelvis when you go through knee flexion. So we're doing a single leg leg curl so that way you can work on keeping a stable pelvis so we can have a better squat. So then she's like, oh, that makes sense. But I feel like a lot of coaches are just like, we're just doing this because it'll help build your hamstrings. Well, it's like you have to be able to apply it to something that they enjoy. It's kind of like when you're initially talking to a client trying to sell them, right? It's like you have to be able to try to relate and connect fitness to their goals because they just have this outcome desire. So they come to you and you're like, Hey, can you paint this out for me? This is kind of what I want. Um, And you're trying to like, you know, write it out for them or draw it out for them. So you have to be able to like visualize, make it visual for them. Yeah. Yeah, because to us, this is like our bread and butter. Like we think about this shit all day, every day. But to someone who's never stepped foot in a gym, it's like they don't know the fucking elbow from a kettlebell. 
if I say we're going to do this kettlebell thing, they're like, the, we're going to do a what? Like, what do you mean I hold it like <laughs> this? Like, this feels really strange. And without yeah. that communication you're talking about, like telling someone we're going to do an exercise is in communication, like telling them this is an exercise, this is potentially the reasons for it. And then based off their feedback as well, you can kind of tell how intrigued they are to learning more. And if someone wants yeah. to learn more, like there's giveaways, like they'll ask a little question or they'll like, they'll listen to you or they'll like eye contact, lots of little things. Or if someone doesn't really want to know, so I've got some clients that are like, I don't really give a fuck. Like uh, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And it's like sick, hold this. Yeah. Yeah. And down. like those, and those, those clients that, ask questions or like I find that those ones are the ones that typically will do the best because they're taking an interest in what you're doing and like what you have laid out for them. Um, the ones that go through the motions are fine. Like, you know, that they're there because they need you there. Um, it's not because they want to be there, but the ones that ask a lot of questions I find generally speaking are the ones that actually want to be there and enjoy the time with you because they're very engaged. Um, they're like, Oh, like, why are we doing this? Like, why are, why are we doing this instead of this, right? And I actually, like, I encourage clients to do that. So, like, my, I'm actually pretty stoked when clients are asking um, because it's like, oh, you've progressed. Like, you've grown. Like, you take an interest in what you're doing and, like, what you've invested your money and time into. 100%. It's like at school. Like, you think about the classes you like doing or at college or university. It's generally ones where you've got dialogue with, uh, whether it's other students about the topic or the person teaching you about the topic like there's often like backward and forward where you're yeah. asking questions they're asking you questions and it's like you feel like you're not just reading something but like you're you're part of it as opposed to just being yeah. given something yeah yeah and i think that that's it kind of connects back to being like a coach versus being a trainer like a trainer would just kind of like go through the motions and just be like oh today's program says we're doing squats first because that's what the program says um, but you know, being a coach, you need to be able to actually like make adjustments on that day, you know, make adjustments on the fly You need to be able to like really connect with that person and like help, like coach them through it. And I think communication is a big aspect of coaching. That's not touched upon enough. Um, and it makes you more human, which is what people really want. Cause I know that people, it's a big thing. Like people are actually really intimidated with trainers when they first meet them because they're just like, Oh, you're a trainer. You do this for work look at you and look at me. And it's like, I think that stigma needs to be broken because it's like, we were all at some point doing what you're doing, or we had absolutely zero idea with what we were doing. Like I was trained six times a week. Did I have a program? Probably not just growing it out. So it's like, you people need to realize that it's okay to not know. Um, but to also be like a little bit vulnerable and communicate that with you. Um, but I think that, that communication needs to come from the coach first. hundred percent. It's like, you look at successful PTs, like a lot of the time they not they might not be a good coach. Like they won't know how to write a fucking program. Well, like they won't know how to regress or progress an exercise, but you talk to them about their coach and they will often talk about like how charismatic they are, or like they asked about my day or like they know they lots about their clients. Yeah. They can be a fucking horrible PT, but yeah. to the train, to the client, they know them. And so they've got that like personal connection yeah. to them. Um, and I know that was one thing with like, with my coaching that definitely helped with client retention, but also with like my enjoyment with training clients. Cause if I was invested in not just their result in the gym, but in them as a person, it was like, it wasn't a, 
a push to ask how their day was or like what happened with their son or like how their dog's doing. It's like, I'm genuinely interested. Like we speak about this most weeks. Like I want to know how your little dog's doing. Like, is he yeah. okay? Is he hurt his hip? Like what's going on? Um, and like, then we end up being as invested in them as a person as well as the process. Cause the process is just part of them. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think cause I, I'm very like, I'm probably fucking autistic. Like I'd put a hundred dollars on it. Um, and so when I go into things, whether it's gym or whatever, it's like, this is a thing I'm fucking doing. This is what I'm going to think about. This is what I'm going to talk about. But as soon as I was able to separate that from like, these people aren't professional bodybuilders. Like they just want to feel a little bit better and have a good time at the gym. And as soon as I realized that and I was able to yeah. separate my awesome. special brain from someone enjoying themselves, I was like, this is so different. And it just opened my, opened my eyes to actually what it was I was doing as a coach. And then following that, like my business, like got so, so much better, whether it was money or like clients coming in, clients getting results. Um, it just flowed on from that. I think a lot of it comes down to like what you think the client needs versus what the client actually needs and wants. And I, I went through it too, right? Like I was like, this client needs this but the client doesn't want that. And also like the client is not as passionate about fitness as you are. And it's probably a given if you, if they are as passionate about fitness as you are awesome, but there's a really good chance that they're not. And that's why they're hiring you to work with them because they trust you and they think you can get, they can get you to desired outcome. Right. So it's like, you have to be able to actually make it enjoyable for them. And then if you, ask something remember it <laughs> yeah. so if you're like oh um how old's your son turning oh it's like if someone's like oh, i have my son's birthday coming up this weekend oh how old's your son turning okay this old awesome so like the next time you see them how is your son's birthday how is how mm-hmm. is the party don't be like oh how was your weekend because it's like obviously it shows that you weren't actually engaged and you weren't actually listening you were just doing like filler talk and you were obviously just like I don't know, looking for machines to scout out. You see your homie, you wave him down. You see some, some chick in the back. It's like, you need to be like, actually like, like focus and actually like, you know, engage in like on, on them. Cause that's what they're paying you for. Um, but it's the small stuff that matters. Right. And it's what makes it more of a personal, personal thing. hundred percent. And like with that as well, I think um, like the better the, the product is as well. Like if you're very confident in your ability to write a program, when you're with a client, you're like, we're able to kind of not switch off, but we can put focus on like being with the client. Cause we trust the program we've written and we've yeah. got things where it's like, we know if this doesn't go to plan, we've got this option or that doesn't go to plan. We've got this option. Um, but having that backing of like being good at what we do allows like just from a program writing perspective and, um, progression to regressions allows us to be more present. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Mm. I think being present is one thing that a lot of people aren't doing for sure. Yeah. hundred percent, man. And it's like, we focus on like doing business mentorships and like understanding like the money and this side of things. But it's like, if the product's not good at the end of the day, like no one's going to buy it. So like if we're very ingrained, like we're lucky, like we've got the prescript community where a lot of us are very much like, like we like the details, we like understanding all the extra stuff. And because of that, when it comes to 
the programming coaching side of things like we've got all that extra detail so we've got a good quality product um mm. but i think it sets sets a lot of people apart in that regard yeah yeah i, th- I think a lot of the pre-skip coaches are a lot of like the same mindset or kind of on the same path or that same like ambition and drive which is good because i think it's like being part of a group of a bunch of savages which is like a thing that i want to be a part of because it pushes you to set that threshold higher for yourself um just because it like makes you again like it's like what you said too right where a lot of us are very like detail oriented i know for me like i'm very detail oriented sometimes i rant way too much but that's fine it's all good Um, (laughs) but it's but it's one of those things that like I'd rather be more in depth and detailed than be lacking detail and have questions. Yeah. And your clients will appreciate it too. Um, sometimes they might tell you to shut up, but that's all part of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's always it's always easier to simplify something than to talk out of your ass. Like if you're simplifying something, like it in itself shows detail. But if you're talking about something you don't really know about, like it doesn't take very long for someone else to realize it. So like it never hurts to yeah. know a little bit more. Yeah. And like, I think that's, I think Eric made a post about it, about being able to communicate and being able to um, translate to your audience. So taking something that's complex, but being able to explain to somebody that has next to no experience with training, that's actually good communication. And that's being like intelligent because you're able to take a concept that is quite complex in theory and you're able to explain it and apply it within I don't know, a couple minutes, right? Yeah. Really. What's the saying? Like, if you can't teach it to a a child, then you don't really know it properly. Yeah, just true though. Hmm. Um, Which is humbling. Very humbling. It's like sometimes you go to teach that or you go to explain something to someone and you're like, fuck, like I I can't verbalize this. Like, like that's where things like writing shit down can sometimes be helpful or whether it's like, like podcasts, stuff like this or chatting to yeah. someone at the gym, whether it's another coach or whatever yeah. is like such a good vetting process as well. Cause it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like if you're writing it down, you'll find it out very soon. Or if you're telling someone else about another trainer, they're going to be like, dude, that makes no fucking sense. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I feel like for me, like being able to apply it and actually like do it for myself is a great way for me to learn. But I do think that's beneficial to have a different spectrum of clients because it teaches you on how to communicate better. So it's good to have some people that are brand new. It's good to have some people that are a little bit more seasoned. It's good to have some people that are a little bit more like intermediate, maybe more advanced because it can actually change how you talk, um, how you actually translate your information and your material. Because if you have, you know, all PTs, for example, as your clients, then you're not going to be able to explain a concept to somebody that's brand new. And like you said before, it's like you, if you want to explain it to a child, you can't because your cl- the, the child's not going to understand abduction or adduction, mm-hmm. but you know your your roster if they're all PTs would. So it's like a matter of trying to make a complex subject less complex and more digestible. Yeah. So one of the last things I kind of wanted to cover with you. Um, so whether you if, when you're taking on a new client doesn't really matter which point they're at. Um, what are some things that you try to prioritize with them when you're starting out with them? So we can kind of go through this at any, with whatever. Um, I think I'm wanting to kind of more so cover like 
movement quality aspect of it? Like what are some things that you really try to digest or cement in their brain right from the beginning um, and build like a solid foundation from there? Because I know that even if they have experience, there's a good chance that they could have um, bad habits, bad habits established already. Um, or they, you know, maybe they move really well, but what are some things that you really try to like hit home with? Um, the first, no, with pretty much everyone, the first like four to eight weeks of the training is like a, like a skill-based thing. So with that, like they're not going to be lifting as heavy loads, probably going to be higher reps. It's going to be stuff that's like maybe not as complex as they've done before, but like I was saying earlier about like regressing and progressing exercises, like giving people stuff that's hard to fuck up. Then when they go back to doing, say if we've got somebody who's advanced, they go back to doing something that's a little bit more advanced. The system's kind of there, like the body organizes itself a lot better. Um, and yeah, even from yeah. a psychological standpoint as well, like if I've got someone doing 14, 15 reps for the first four to six weeks, and then we go to 10 reps, they're going to be lifting heaps heavier weight and they're going to be like, this is fucking sick. I feel so strong. Like look at the weight on the bar. Um, and so psychologically, they kind of get that kick where I find normally once we get to like the eight, eight to 10 week mark is when the initial novelty starts mm -hmm. to normally wear off. Cause it's like they've, if they're tracking macros or whatever, they've like done it for a bit, they've seen a bit of a result. And then it's like the monotony of it starts to set in and the monotony of getting to training potentially sets in, or it's like, Oh, this isn't like, it's not summer anymore. Like I'm not getting, lean to go to the beach so it's like how how do i as a coach make it enjoyable for them from a mental perspective to give them wins continuously but like right from the bat so it starts from this like the start pole it's like this here sets us up to succeed all the way along um yeah i think it's yeah the main thing i try and fortify just from the start is creating a system where they continue can continually succeed whether that be someone new to the gym whether that be someone who's been at the gym for a while which again just comes back to the enjoyment side of it i think because no one's going to do something if we're not succeeding at it like yeah if someone runs a business for two years and it's not succeeding it's not pulling in money they're going to pull the pin on the thing it's like it's not bringing in any sort of reward um in the gym that reward could be like feeling good about lifting heavier it could be literally just lifting heavier it could be putting on muscle but it all kind of relates to the same thing about getting something out of it yeah for sure and i think that's a good point too it's like especially if somebody's new because you're obviously taking them through that initial like consult or that initial like um process of trying to assess them but you know probably in the first four weeks you're trying to see how they move because an assessment is different than actual like movement in a program so an assessment that's kind of like I, i'd say that it's very close to like when somebody goes to a doctor again like their blood pressure done again all like their, their checkup stuff done that's what people are like are in an assessment like they're trying to like correct little stuff that they don't normally do they're moving differently than they normally move so then when you have them more relaxed more comfortable with you that's kind of how you see how they actually move and how they respond to stimulus and how they respond to, you know, you see how they um, resort when they, when they are really fatigued, you see which, which way they bias to, you see a lot of these small things you probably wouldn't normally see in an assessment. Um, 
100 percent. it's like if you ask someone their diet it's like what have you been eating they're going to tell you not what they've been eating a month before they're going to tell you they knew you were coming they were coming to the gym at the end of the week so they started eating healthier it's like they're trying to put on a show to present as if they're doing the right things it's like the same like you're saying in the gym it's like if you get someone to do an assessment they know they're being assessed so it's like they try and do everything like perfectly as they can and then a couple weeks in when we're doing certain exercises it's like okay the assessment showed us this um but this exercise is showing us this now that's when like with assessments as well we can sort of streamline things and apply different things to different people over the time but yeah totally agree man the first four weeks is like crucial for that i reckon yeah and it's it's all like you're creating building blocks with them and trying to create like a solid foundation with that client especially if you've never worked with them before it's really easy if you've been like if you worked with them before or if you know, kind of know how they move. Like let's say it's like a, a friend or whatever, like you kind of know how they move already. Then there's probably less assessing to do, um, but you're kind of like indirectly assessing them as you work with them, like session to session, week to week. Right. Um, 100%, and that's, yeah. Never stops. That's, that's, yeah. And that's the thought process. I think that people need to have is like your client is always going to be getting assessed by you. Um, you don't need to be doing like an actual physical assessment to be assessing them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I found as well. Well, like another thing, I'm trying to not pushing this at the start when I'm working with someone. But again, talking about capacities, it's like getting someone to get their arms overhead because everyone puts things up on a high shelf or picks things out of the cupboard. Um, yeah, can they extend their hip? Because we all walk every day. Um, just like what's our ability in those range, like at the hip and at the shoulder. And how can we improve it just that little bit to the point where they can do their day-to-day things without being like complete end range of motion or at the point where it kind of like hurts all the time. So like, how do we push that capacity just a little bit outside of what's actually required in day-to-day? And then that yeah. in itself, like massive buy-in, like if someone gets shoulder, if they can't reach up overhead, and they're like, yeah, it always kind of hurts when I got to reach and get this. And then you do fucking child's pose or something or, and so row, and then you put their arm up overhead and they're like, Oh my God, that's amazing. Like I can reach overhead and it feels great. Like boom, they're bought in right there. Like you could give them the contract right there and like, yep, I'm done. Sign me up. Um, yeah. Cause like good, yeah. good from assessments, but like from a buy-in perspective as well is awesome. And then if they're bought in too, then they're potentially going to do the thing more often. So while it has a positive um side to like my side of the business side of things it's like from their yeah. perspective as well it's gonna help their results yeah yeah for sure so to wrap it up here um what are some things that you kind of have in the works for yourself with your business um just in general because i know that you have been really pushing a lot of content out you have a lot of um pre-made templates for programming um so what are some things that you have in the works? This is your time to to plug it all and flex, bro. <laughs> oh, I haven't really got anything in the works, to be honest with you, man. Um, just really pushing training people. Like, so I suppose that's what I'm pushing, just getting more hands on more people, um, trying to help as many people as possible. So um, I, I wrote and released a warm-up guide a little while ago. I haven't really advertised it at all yet. Um, but there's a... I've got that up for sale link for that in my Instagram bio. 
Um, Cause I found a lot of people were lacking in just the knowledge around applying warmups or movement prep, whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. Cause people just go in and kind of do something and then like one day the movement feels shit other days it feels fucking awesome and it's like well, we've got this kind of systematic approach to the way we prepare ourselves we can kind of see these things um and better prep ourselves for said exercises um yeah and it's going to improve performance over the long term which is the main thing because we all just want to get better for longer so um but yeah i got that and then yeah, online coaching available and face-to-face coaching available for anyone that's on the Gold Coast or surrounding areas. Sure, man. Um, so I'm going to have all of your stuff in the beginning, um, just like, you know, your your Instagram and all that stuff. But those that are listening to this, I think the biggest takeaways for this episode is being able to, you know, meet clients kind of where they're at um, from a coaching standpoint. So being able to like really establish that from the beginning being able to kind of adjust that to your client, right? Um, and being able to like make those modifications accordingly. Um, and, you know, it's always easier, I'd say, to progress a movement than to regress it. So it's kind of like you mentioned before, like that first month, you're trying to really build confidence with that client, with that individual, get them really comfortable in the gym. So if they're like getting really good at stuff really quickly, that's a good thing. Um, just shows that they're like neuromuscularly able to adapt. So like, progress them make them feel even better and kind of just like run that runway out and see like where they're actually at um i think the same thing applies for like machines and stuff too right like if you're using a machine um the handles on it suck which lots of them do suck you can toss a single handle on it you can you know slightly alter the way that you're positioned on it by adjusting the seat adjusting the handles adjusting the pegs I tell all my clients, like when you're initially hopping on a machine, like look at all the points you can adjust um, and make sure that it's set for you because it was just set for somebody that isn't you. So it's like, okay, you shouldn't just hop onto a machine and just go. But the amount that I see it, like in a commercial gym is crazy because people don't know like, oh, like you can adjust all this stuff. Um, But it's finding that like variability and like the adaptability in everything that you use um, because that's like a big part of training and it's a big part of like what we do but it's a thing it's also a thing that we we try to push especially for me but i know like for you too like you know a lot of your clients you try to really push um training properly training more like intention based um and then making use of the time that they're actually with you 100 percent. and like everything we said about like us as coaches and like our coaches approach on things i think applies to like if someone's just someone who trains at the gym it's exactly the fucking same like we're coming at it from a coach's perspective, looking at someone who trains. So it's like, we're talking about a concept on how to coach someone. It's like apply the exact same thing to yourself. Cause like a lot of us train, a lot of people train themselves. So you are yeah. your own coach. So apply exactly the same sort of thought process to it. It's adjusting a machine. So it's not so shit for you. Yeah. Yeah. Just do less shit. Yeah. Be less shit. <laughs> But it's, I think it's also too, like, just to kind of bounce off that, it's also realizing, like, what machines do what. So I think people need to be, um, you don't have to, like, love anatomy as much as, like, we do or love movement mechanics as much as we do. But just even looking at the machine being like, oh, this hits your pecs, that could help it save you a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. 
shit like so that. <laughs> just just look at the machine that you're trying to use and being like, hey, this is roughly where I should feel it. If you're feeling it some other place entirely, adjust the machine a little bit, play with it. And honestly, if you try to mess around with it, still feels awful, then just go to a different variation of it. Um, because obviously your time is valuable and you don't want to be spend, sitting there messing around with the machine for like 10, 15 minutes when you could just go to a different variation or exercise. Yeah. Yeah. I think playing around initially as well, it's like you'll find things that feel good and that you kind of like doing. And it's like if you've got 10 exercises that you froth doing, that's two to three days of programming, if not four days right there. And then you do that like over a year, two years, whatever, even if it's just those same 10 exercises, like just mm-hmm. going to enjoy yourself because you know how to do them. Um, yeah. You're going to progress it because it feels kind of good. And when you've got friends say, that come in that are new, it's like, I know how to use this machine. Like I'm going to show them how to use this as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Beneficial, man. Even like you mentioned before, like even if you're not a coach, like training with somebody and having like a partner to like, just look at your stuff and be able to tell you things that you can't see for yourself is beneficial. Um, just so that way you can actually like make slight tweaks adjustments for yourself. So that way your train's more effective. 100%. And we've got like, like everyone's got phones now. Like I know a lot of people don't like whipping them out to film because they feel self-conscious about it. But if you don't give a fuck doing it, like film yourself, set it up somewhere, push it, yeah. I know, lay it against the machine and film your set and have a look at how it is. Like, you know, might not know what you're looking at at first, but if you're doing it continuously over time, you'll start to notice like little things as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like watching other people train. It's exactly the same sort of thing. Like, have a look around the gym. Everyone thinks you're staring at them anyway, so you might as well. Um, just like, have a look. See what people are doing. Watch the big bodybuilder dudes. They're the nicest ones in the gym. Them, the, the powerlifters, like, they're so fucking friendly. Like, if you have a question, go ask them. Like, most people are there to better themselves. So if someone else is there doing that and they see that, it's like, most of the time, Profit. Like if someone came up to me at the gym, I was training and asked a question about something. I was like, fuck yeah, this person, this is my kind of person. Like they're at the gym. Sick. Stay curious. Yeah. Always. But uh Ricky is obviously the man, as you can if you're seeing this, I'm wearing the merch. So he's the man. <laughs> um so where can people follow you, man, and find all your links for stuff? Uh Instagram is Ricky Calder underscore, I believe. Um and then Links of stuff is just in the bio. Um, don't have a business page. It's just, that's the page there. You can contact me, contact me um, through there. Uh, that's probably the best place for it. Awesome, man. I appreciate you for coming on today and uh, thank you for your time. Appreciate you having me on, man. 